Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. The number one priority in life is the kingdom of God. St. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Jesus said, seek ye first. And first there means above all else. Seek ye first kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We also looked at the scripture in Matthew where Jesus said if any man will come after me, let him first deny his own interest for the interest of the kingdom. And guess what? He will receive a hundredfold blessing in this life. That's how powerful it is. If you get the priority right, he said in this life, a hundredfold and in the life to come, you will receive eternal life. I want every bit of that hundredfold. So I'm sure that you would like that too. So let us get ourselves in alignment so that we can receive that which God promised. Today, we want to look at the family account. So the second of the seven accounts that we will examine is the family account. Family, very, very important area. So let's start off by reading the scripture in Genesis chapter 18. Family account, Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness, sins that came up before him. And in Sodom and Gomorrah was Lot and his family. They lived in that area. Lot was the nephew of Abraham. And Abraham was the one that actually took Lot from or the child he's with him. So he felt some sort of a personal responsibility to Lot. In fact, when the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham uh, were getting into a quarrel because the cattle of Lot and the cattle of Abraham was so great and there wasn't enough space, Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife amongst for we are brethren. In other words, I value you as family. We're not going to allow anything. And so Abraham said to him at that time, lift up your eyes and look at all the land. And anyone, any, any portion that you choose, go ahead and take it. And I will go in the opposite direction. And Lot at that time chose the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. So we pick up the story. God's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, so since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. This is God speaking about Abraham. He said, I God, know the man. 
What a reputation to have. That God knows your faithfulness to his kingdom. He said, for I know him. That he will command his household after him. That they keep the way of the Lord. To do righteousness and justice. That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken. God trusted Abraham on the premise that Abraham was a man who would command his household, his family, after the way of the Lord. So God is sharing what he's going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah with Abraham on the premise that Abraham was a family man commanding his family after the ways of God. God knew where Abraham's heart was as it relates to his family. Does God know and trust where your heart is as it relates to your family? If God was to examine your heart today on the issue of your family, what would you find? Men, fathers, must lead their families even as Abraham did. And lead here does not mean control. It means influence. Now, in the case where there is no father, no man in the house, where the male is absent, then, of course, the female has to take on that role. And I do pray for you because it is a very challenging task, high tension job. And be assured that God will give you the grace to carry out the task. But even for the females, the principle is the same. Just like the men have the responsibility to build influence in their family. The female, whether uh, having to head the house or not, you carry the same responsibility to, to build influence in your family. Mothers have their role to do that. That's a very powerful place. And we have to continue to work extremely hard on that. We don't take that for granted. Sometimes we are so keen on building influence in our workplaces and uh, uh, building influence in our career and all over the world with different countries, but we don't take the time out to build influence in our families. We must, we ought to, because it is that place that you need to be so that, I mean, you don't have to take up sticks and stones at your children and other members of the family to get them to respond. And even then they don't. But the influence, influence don't come just because we are in the same space. You work with people all the time that have no influence on you. And you're working in the same office for maybe 20 years. There are children that live in homes that their only dream at this point is to reach 18 to be able to leave. No, there's no influence. 
So just because you're in the same space doesn't mean that there will be influence. Now, sometimes there's some forced influence, you know? Like when I used to grow up and your grandmother gave you the hand, you know? But once you're not in that space, then that influence will really count. Or, you know, that it can be the forced influence with the sticks and stones, and they respond because they're in the space. But then, when they live in Kingston, when they live in Atlanta, when they live in Johannesburg, how does the influence connect? When your children are going to university, they should carry that influence. So you could talk to them on the, on the phone and get them to respond. Anywhere they are, and not just children, but your family. We have to build influence in our families. And there are some keys in building influence. I'll give you some of them real quickly. We're not gonna really spend time on, on that part, part of the road, but the first key in building influence is building relationship. Relationship. That's the strongest way of building influence. So I charge you to build relationship with your family. Take time to do things that will build relationship where you can get influence in. Building relationship. Jesus had so much influence on his disciples because of relationship. The law of relationships say you're four people away from anybody in the world. So that influence can get you to places that you never dreamed of or connect you with people that you never dreamed of because of the relationship. I'm not talking about meaningful relationships. Second key in building influence is serving. Jesus was a servant leader. And that's how we influence a lot of people in this time, by serving them. He healed a man one time, that serving healed him. And the Sanhedrin council called him up and said, tell us who, I mean, were you really sick and all that? They're trying to discredit the miracle. And so I got to a place where he said, listen, all I can tell you is that once I was blind, now I can see. And it, they couldn't change his mind about Jesus. Why? Because Jesus served him in a meaningful way. Take time out to serve. Don't quarrel because you have to pay the light bill this month. Or you have to spend more money than the other person. Or all of that. Take time out to serve. In fact, the world should not be benefiting from your gifts and anointings and talents, and your family don't. So if it's even in the area of consistently praying for them, serving is building influence. And the, the third one I want to share with you is producing meaningful results. Results influence people. And it is as you develop your life in God, as you are consistent in the things of God, as you chart the right course, you are going to be able to produce results that 
other members of your family want to be like you or want results similar to what you get. They see the path of walk and they will walk that path because they like what your life looks like. Looks like. So it's important, it is very important that you produce results. If you don't have money, if you are always struggling financially, you cannot really lead other people in excellence in finance. This is not something that you just pick out of the sky. It is about being exemplary. So it is important that you produce results. You want your children to serve God. You want the rest of your family to serve God. Immediate and extended family produce some results as it relates to serving the Lord. After 40 years of serving the Lord, what kind of result do you have to prove? If you're still the most miserable person in the family, the, the, the meanest person in the family still, and you don't, you're not in a position to assist, then that is not going to influence. That's not going to come. So I, all I'm saying is that you have to produce meaningful results if you're going to influence in a meaningful way. There is no need to compete with each other in the family because we are working on the same objectives. Your objective, my objective, all of us, our objective is that our family will influence those that are produced from that family. So there's no need for um, father, mother, uh, wife, husband, brothers, sisters, cousins. There is no need for us to compete against each other. In the case of the local church, which is also a family, there is no need for us to compete against each other because we're working on the same objective. We want our children and our young people to continue serving the Lord, to grow and take the mantle, the torch of serving the Lord. That's the objective we we're working on. One generation praising the work of the Lord to another, passing on the battle successfully. There is no need for us to compete. We need to find our niche, how we can influence in the family so that the needs can be met because everybody has their space, their portion, their part that they need to focus on so that they can become that person of influence. Some of the most beautiful stories told are stories that came out of family. People tell you about your family support. When people talk about your success stories, they talk about the support of family. Yes, many people do that. And that's beautiful. I mean, not everybody has that story to tell. But I'm just saying that some of the most beautiful stories that have been told is about family, the success, the support of family. But some of the ugliest stories told is also about family. The absence of family, the fighting and division of family. What story do you want?
to be told of your family. You have to create a base for that right now. What story would you like to be told? What kind of story are you setting up your family to tell? As we work on the family account, these are questions that confronts us. You can't hide from them. The origin and concept of family started with God. Family is not a United Nations idea. It is not an idea of the group of seven. It is not a European idea. Family is a God idea. God originated family. And it is one of the foundation of human life. God has always worked through families, through the history of generations, through the history of the Bible. God has always worked through families. So whether it's with Adam and Eve or with Noah's family, Jacob and his family, whether it is with David and his family, or whether it is with Mary's uh, Mary and Joseph's situation, or whatever it is, God has always worked through families because family is the bedrock of society. It was intended to be so. Strong families make strong communities to include strong churches. And strong communities make strong nation. So sometimes we blame the government and all that kind of stuff, but the society is a reflection of what the families are putting out there. Which side are you contributing? You know, sometimes we go about saying some things that sounds nice, but at the end of the day, we have to step back and examine. I'm not allowing no family to stop me from serving God, so Whatever they want to do is their business. I'm not suggesting you should allow anybody, include anyone, including family, to stop you from serving the Lord. But it is going to be challenging for you to minister to my family when your family is in this arena. It is going to be difficult for me to minister to your family when my family is in this arena. So we have to examine this because if if not, as I said, family is one of the foundations of human life. And so if the foundation is compromised, you're not going to be able to produce the results that was intended. Now, you know that everything God created, the devil always tried to come up with a fake version to counter what God has created. And it is no different with families. The devil has worked hard to attack families, to discredit families, to destroy families, and to put his fake version of family out there. And that is why we now, as the people of God, have to stand up and make sure the truth is out there because sometimes in the absence of truth, the fake version look real. So only when you put the real version out there 
and people see the real version and they say, oh, but I thought this was the right thing. So we have to work hard at that. So man has tried to modify the structure of the family. The families of earth started with Adam and Eve when God gave them the command to be fruitful and multiply, Adam and Eve. In fact, in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, male and female created he them. That's the version that God created to start family. Male and female created he them to start the family. So we cannot accept any other version, any other model than the model that God has laid down for us. As people of the scriptures of the Bible, I don't care which relative or which friend or whoever has drifted into other versions, we have to stick with the Bible version. And, that, and this is why day by day, you and I have to pray for our families in this 21st century world that we live, in this climate of new norms every day. We have to pray for the families of the world. The traditional or what is called nuclear family with mother and father, what God uh, was what God instituted. Of course, we know that there's also the extended family. Let me say that the family ought to be the first institution of learning. That's really where we learn values and attitudes. That's where you ought to. That should not be left to the government to teach that in school. They should be reinforcing that. But the family is where you should learn values and attitudes. It's, it's the, the, the first institution of learning. That's where we learn structure and uh, the importance of order. The family is where you ought to learn conflict resolution. Of course, some of us learn to the hard way. There's some who grew up with quite a bit of siblings and, you know, fought it out for a bit, but then you got to a place of learning. That's the place that we should learn conflict resolution. So the issues that we have in our society of people resolving their conflicts with murder and shootings and all that kind of stuff, it's a failure of family. And we have to begin to fix that from the church, and we have to fix that individually. We're prepared to say, give it to our children, and for those in our sphere of influence, if you get involved in those kind of stuff, and you won't stop, we pray that God take you home. But we have to take the responsibility to teach and practice the conflict resolution in the family 
first that when we go out, say, no, that's, that's not how it's supposed to be done. Now, your children, other members of the family can come home and say, you know what somebody did today on the road? You know, it's really, it really bothers them because of what they are used to, what they learn. So there's some of you, I mean, your family has a heart of compassion for people because that's what your family has been trained in and has been taught over the years. And we have to, as we address the family account, we have to take responsibility at the grassroots level to address these things. It doesn't mean that you're condemned if you come out of a dysfunctional family. In fact, there are a lot of us that came out of dysfunctional family, single parent family. So it is not a condemnation, but we truly have to thank God for directing our lives, for sending help in our lives in such a way that the flip side did not happen. Family is the most powerful unit on earth. We get from family what we can't get elsewhere. Family is supposed to be the first line of protection, the first line of security for an individual. Unfortunately, it is not always so, but the family is supposed to be the first line of protection. So when people are battered and wounded, they must know that they have security in their family. So when a man hits a woman, physically abuses her, what he's doing is that he's compromising the security of that family. So all of a sudden, she don't feel secure in that space anymore. And her whole life is exposed. What the family is supposed to do is compromise. And that's what the devil is trying to get uh, us to be involved in. Now, because of that betrayal, she can't function right. She can't function the way that he's, she's supposed to be, be functioning. So constant abuse causes that dysfunction. And therefore, as a mother, she can't really gift her children the kind of love and protection that she would like to. She can't function at work. She can't function in the society because the security has been compromised. So we call the men back to basics. We call the family back to basics. We say, examine the situation. What kind of legacy do you want for your family? And if we were to read some of these eulogies right at funerals, oh dear, maybe we didn't, wouldn't even attend to hear some of them, some of them. But we would maybe be thanking God for taking some people off of his face. Anything that betrays the security and trust of any member of the family will lead to the dysfunction of that family if it is not resolved 
So yes, there are things that will happen in the family. There are things that are not supposed to happen that will happen. But we have to do what we can to correct. As I said, your family, all families, need to experience the impact of your gifts and anointing to, to be successful. Build that influence in your family so that you have a voice, not just today, but forever, but you remain with a voice in your family. You don't have the choice as to which family you were born. Sometimes in your head, you might be thinking, I wish I, I was in this family or wish I was in that family, all that. But the truth is, you don't have a choice as it relates to which family you were born. And the truth is, every family has issues. It is just that some are able to deal with their issues better than others. But every family has issues. If you get close enough, you will realize that. Because we're all human. It's just how we deal with the issues that will determine the results that we get. So there is no perfect family. But what you have to do as an individual is to make sure you carry out the repairs that are in your remit as it, as, as it relates to your family. What can you do? And don't focus on what the other person is not doing and what they can do and uh, are not doing. Focus on what you can do. And do that to the best of your ability. The devil is intent on destroying family. Because as we said, family is the foundation of human life. It is the bedrock of society. And if you can take out the foundation from under our feet, then it's got the building swaying and actually got it in a compromising position. So you have that responsibility of standing strong in the midst of temptations, testings, and trials. When opportunities seem to present themselves as it relates to famine, I want to encourage you this morning to implore you to calculate the risks. Calculate the risks that are involved. Migration opportunities, for example, might present itself. Your children are in the formative years, at developing stage in their life, lives. Calculate the risks. Is it worth it? Because you might earn a few more dollars this year, but the story to be told of the impact on your family is that what you really want to hear. And I know that there can be a lot of apologies and all of that stuff fixing and all of that, but if you miss the opportunity of influencing your children for the first 20 years, it is extremely difficult to make up that. Calculate the risk. There are many other areas 
I'm not sure. You are going to have to calculate the risk. So I want to say to you this morning, protect your family by ensuring the security and trust of that family. The devil will always try and erode that uh, sometimes, well, all the time. Sometimes a simple matter can get out of control so much because nobody will pull back that it caused so much harm to the family that it is just so difficult to repeat. If you have to pull back, so it says, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Fathers, pull back. Well, I would say, mothers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Mothers, pull back. But children also pull back. Somebody has to take the responsibility to make sure that you get the results that God intended. You know, Jesus and his disciples function as a family. One of the things that families do in the Hebrew culture from a long time ago, when Jesus and his disciples did the same thing, was to practice covenant meal. We do that to some degree even today. So Jesus and his disciples always had covenant meal. So when Judas betrayed him, it was really tough because it was during one of the covenant meal that Jesus broke the stone. It seemed like it was gloom over the family. The local church is a family. It is okay to adopt the local church as family, just as Jesus adopted the disciples as family. So as the church, we need, need to do everything to protect the family members. That's why Jesus said, love one another. We need to do everything to protect the family members from wolves. Sometimes we kind of open the door for the wolves. And one of the favorite things to say, I told you. I knew it was going to happen because you don't listen. It doesn't matter how many times you told them. We still have that responsibility to protect each other as family. It is a dangerous thing to be betrayed by a family. It cuts deep. Let us not get into that place where we betray each other as family in the local church. You need me, I need all a part of God's family. We have to make the commitment. I won't harm you with words from a mouth. In fact, I need you to survive. We carry that responsibility. The only family that some people know is the church that they go to. The only family that some people have is the church that they go to. What kind of job we've been doing in the church as a family? Do we mourn together? When one mourn, we all mourn. 
Do we rejoice at each other's success? Or are we jealous of each other's success? Just like God spoke through John, I feel the very same way about your family. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as you so prosper. I don't have any problem if you get a bigger salary than me. I don't have any problem if you have more cars than me because we're not competitors. We're family. And I refuse to open any door for the enemy. We can't afford for the other groups that don't even know God into the lodge and, and all others to treat their family as a group better than how we treat each other in the church. As we examine the family account today on the level of our personal family, on the level of our extended family, on the level of our church family, I call upon you to do your part to ensure that the family remains solid strong and we thank you so much for joining us today god bless you and have a great day you may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on instagram at fcfmobay and on facebook at fcfmontegobay